Shut up and sit down. This is yet another episode of Business Bros. See, we got that down. Getting it, getting it. With the gun. With the gun. All right. All right, so today we're going to be talking about rentals. And it's kind of a hot topic right now because, you know, to buy, to rent, to buy, to rent. I mean, people are questioning whether to do one or the other. But we're going to take a look at this at first, maybe through the eyes of, you know, what it what it was like for you to get your rental. Right. And then we'll kind of man, mosey in our way, I guess. <laughs> we'll mosey our way. Mosey into our way into uh, ownership of rentals and ownership, okay. ownership of rentals. So, um... Tell me a little bit about the situation. You just started off this whole uh, rental thing. I did. I did. So after a year and a half of living in the RV, uh, six months of which I was in Vegas, I come back to San Diego and I'm looking for a place to rent. I'm not right now looking for a place to buy. It's just not what I want to do. Uh, so I'm looking for a place to rent. And of course, I hit the Craigslist and apartments.com and everything else. And I narrow it down to... Two places. Two places. Two places. One of which is pretty much in the heart of downtown. I mean, no, not in the heart of downtown. It's just right outside of downtown, but in the heart of like that downtown district. Yeah, yeah. You got that feel, right? You, you got, got that the feel. Bumble Park. You got the Little Italy. You got I mean, everything right The neighborhood there. is called Bankers Hill. Yeah, so. Right? So like it's a really nice spot. The other spot is in the Lemon suburbs. Grove. In Cano area, not particularly nice area, not a particularly nice unit, had a pool. It did have a pool. And mind you, both of these uh, allow you to have your pets. And both of these allow me to have my pets, which was the only thing that really, I mean, it wasn't the only thing, but that was a big deal. That was a big Definitely deal. Definitely a big deal. So these two places... Uh, both were studios. Yeah, because you're one, not looking for a big place. Not looking for a big place. The one in Bankers Hill, it is a old building, but very, what's the word I'm looking for, chic? Yeah, it's, it's been revitalized a lot. Very much revitalized. It's, it's, got a, it's got a certain appeal to it. You know, it's very uh, shabby chic or something along those lines. I, mean, I don't know. Picture when you walk into a lobby and, uh, you know, like a, a cheap hotel lobby versus... A nice hotel lobby, like that's kind of the feel I got. Yeah, know, it's looking, definitely looking. a nice hotel lobby. Right. So, the thing about this place, though, it don't have a kitchen. Yeah. yeah. To a lot of people, that alone is going to be a deal breaker. I've never been much of a cook, right. so you can cook you some good cereal, though. I can make me some good cereal. <laughs> that's true. But you know, I don't necessarily need a full gas range stove etc and so on you know not that you don't have access to the gas right i do i have i have uh so i'm, I'm gonna get to the amenities here all right, all right so uh no kitchen in this in this place and it's a really really small place um 260 square feet so it's even smaller than my rv my rv is 288 square feet this place is 260 so shrinking down a little bit but stable one spot location so what drives you to get there? I mean, let's let's get into these amenities here. What's what's so we'll talk about the place. amenities. Uh, like I said, it's a old-fashioned building which has a certain charm to it that I really really liked. Um, but besides that, it's two blocks from Balboa Park. Big plus. 
Huge plus. Because I have Katie. Right. And because I only have my Harley. Right. right? I don't have another car. I don't have another vehicle to get her around where I want to go. Uh, I need to have things nearby that she and I can do. And Balboa Park is huge. Perfect. It's perfect. She can roll around the grass, run around. There's oh, yeah. She was doing other that dogs. this morning. And I mean, she not that she's that a big fan of other dogs, but no, it's there. But she loves grass. She'll roll right into it. She'll get her belly rubbed while she's laying backwards in the grass. It's the most hilarious and cutest thing. I love that <laughs> dog. But uh, so Balboa Park. And then on the other side, six, six blocks in the other direction is Little Italy. So nice social life. You can go hang out and still bring Katie. And still bring Katie. And then not to mention... At the rooftop of the building, you have a really nice lounge area. They created this really nice lounge area. Uh, it's open until like 11 o'clock. You know, tenants are allowed to be up there until 11 o'clock. And up there, you have a 180-degree view all the way from Balboa Park. You can see all the way down to Mexico, the Coronado Bridge. All the way, you turn around, and you're uh, looking at the the tower over there at SeaWorld. It's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful view. Gorgeous sunsets. I mean, it's it's Can you barbecue up there? And there's a grill up there. So meat plus fire equals food. Meat plus fire equals food. Not a cook, but I figured that out once I was about 29 years old and had to fend for myself. See? so Took a long time, but... Kitchen, not super necessary for you. For me. Right. For me. So for me, it was all about these amenities. The rooftop lounge, right? And then downstairs in the basement, there's another lounge area and a gym, you know, um, laundry on site. I mean, it's just a really gorgeous you know location so it's perfect especially for the single guy with a dog right only problem is it's fourteen hundred dollars a month right including pet rent for a basically you know 160 square foot room it's a 12 by 12 room bedroom yeah plus bathroom and closet plus a bathroom and a shower and a closet so so all together it's about 260 square feet but it's really a 12 by 12 bedroom and you're comparing that with the suburbs and I'm comparing that with the suburbs, which is $230 less, right? It's about $230 less. There is a swimming pool in the backyard of this place. This mm-hmm. place does have a kitchen. It's approximately the same size, maybe slightly smaller. Maybe it's upward, you know, upwards of uh, 280 feet. Um, but there's nothing around. Yeah. There's there's other houses. There's other houses. I could walk around the block a few times. If I want to actually get anywhere, I have to take the bike. I have yeah. to get on the bike. I have to go somewhere. There's nothing, absolutely nothing within walking distance. I mean, just to get to the grocery store, I think is like a five mile, you know, yeah, five yeah. mile. It's, it's, so you're saving on price, but you're giving up a lot of, you know, things that you can do without hopping in a vehicle. Right. So... Kind of leads into the first point of when we talk about uh, purchasing property as a rental. Right. Right? Location, location, location. We have to choose a spot that fits the majority of needs. Now, granted, the spot you're looking for is not the majority of what people are looking for. But it is something that you were looking for. When it fit my demographic. It fit your demographic. When we When we look at different rentals... We're not looking at that specific demographic for for the most part. We're looking at something for a small family, right? In our situation, yes. But just kind of generalizing it, you do have to think about what is the population that you're trying to reach. So if you want to rent to small families, then you're going to want to 
purchase and invest in single family residences in the suburbs. Right. Because you can easily do uh, college rentals and turn, right. you know, turn new tenants every so often. Right. And have a lot of maintenance issues to deal with and fret parties and cigarette holes in the Right, you but know, you can also charge a premium for that, right? Definitely. So it just depends on which what what level of investment you're comfortable with. Right. So okay, okay, cool. So you know we were looking at the price difference, and that's that's kind of the big thing, right? So uh, a college kid or a single bachelor would want to be closer to these amenities or have these amenities closer to these areas um, that they can have fun with, and it comes at a premium price. Correct. Right. Versus. You can invest in more of a single family unit and, you know, you're away from a lot of those things, but uh, you're, you might be sacrificing price. Right. You, you'd be sacrificing the accessibility and saving on the price. All right. Well, so, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about lease terms. And we can, when we're talking about lease terms, uh, we'll, we'll look at your example, the difference between pets and stuff and, and uh, what's the difference between, you know, maybe leasing uh, a room that we were going to do like, or that you were going to do in the suburbs versus maybe something a little more commercial, like where you're at now. Sure. I mean, the place where I'm at now, it, it is corporately owned, right? There mm-hmm. is a corporation that, uh, has established all of the procedures and everything. I mean, everything is done online, uh, for the laundromat downstairs. They even have an app, right? Oh. You download an app to, put money on your card and you start the machine that way it's pretty cool actually i did that that the first time today um so it's very legally protected i guess yeah so covering their ends pretty well they're covering their butts pretty well yeah so so when you sign a lease you are signing a lease and you know to get out of it there are procedures right how long was the lease a one-year lease. A one-year lease. A one-year lease. And, of course, that was another thing, you know, that I was kind of uh, debating internally was whether or not I wanted to be stuck in a lease. My uh, vagabond wanderer's heart <laughs> I was thinking, no, not the year. No, don't make me get stuck. <laughs> but, you know, like I, like I told you the other day, I I'm, I'm feel like I'm doing San Diego right. Now it feels like it, right? Now Everywhere you go, like there's it. a beautiful view. There's beautiful things to do. You know, yeah. I live in Bankers Hill. I work in Coronado. And when I'm not there, I'm here. And you got, you know, that view of downtown right out your office window, which is gorgeous. Yeah, it's picturesque. I mean, that's really how you got to do San Diego, yep. right? Oh, and you have the pool. So that's I don't true. need a pool at my place. I'll just yeah. come over here. That's true. <laughs> anytime, anytime. So, um, so the lease is going to be one year. Compare that to the the uh, the contract that you would have had at, uh, well, if there even was a contract. You know, you would I have don't had. think there was. So, the other place that I was looking at, it was owned by this old, uh, older Bulgarian lady, uh, very heavy accent, very sweet woman, mm-hmm. um, but. It didn't seem like she really had much of a contract. It really seemed like it was going to be, you know... A handshake agreement. A handshake agreement. There you go. Thank you. And, you know, the really cool thing about it was, hey, it's $1,000 rent, mm-hmm. right? Plus one fifty for utilities. And if you want me to throw in a, a wall AC unit or a window AC unit, I'll charge you an extra 50 bucks. Nothing extra for the dog. That would have been nice, right? That would have been great. Yeah, that would have been great. I mean, I would have been maxed out at twelve hundred a month. You know, if I got the AC unit, eleven fifty. If I didn't, I had a pool in the back. But I'm telling you, the fact that there was just nothing for me to really do 
nearby, no nowhere for me to walk to. That was that was a big that was a big game changer. Yeah. I wanted to be where you know other young professionals were. Yeah, and especially in the sense that uh, had you not had these other things to do, I can see burnout being an issue. Right. You know, and that's that's got a way on you. You know, you got right. trying to build something major here and. I put a lot of time in that office and there's a lot of uh, weight really on my shoulders in making sure that things are, are getting done and happening correctly and, and procedures being put in place uh, in our business. And definitely if I come home to like this, I don't know, hole, hole, <laughs> thank you. I mean, that's, that, that's really what it felt like. It was, it was a kind of a nice hole, but it was still a hole. And this other place, it's, it's grandiose yeah you know it really is like I, I i get into my apartment building and i feel like i'm you know almost walking back in time a little bit because of this this old building it's got this old uh the original elevator where you have to pull open the one door and then it's got the the gate you yeah, know yeah it's got that tv vintage feel to it super yeah exactly That's, exactly and you know and and then that comes to like you know status and presentation like it's not like you're really gonna have people in your in your apartment but you can have people over to your apartment. Yeah. And in fact, they really never have to see my apartment at all. They might. They might be like, oh, well, let me see what your room looks like. And yeah, then yeah. I'll kind of show them in real quick. But really, the majority of the time is going to be spent either on the rooftop or downstairs in the lounge. Downstairs in the lounge, there's a pool table. There's a, I don't know what it's called. It's a, like, a, what do they call it when in the Olympics when they... Shuffleboard, oh, shuffleboard, shuffleboard. Yeah. It's like it's like shuffleboard. They got a foosball. They got TVs. They got couches. They got a. They actually have a bar like with stools and everything. They don't stock it with any alcohol, but yeah, you can yeah. bring your stuff down there and you and know hang out, and have like, a good time. You could totally hang out and have a good time. So down it there. definitely like, helps the status and presentation for you. You know, being a professional, you have a place to go. Exactly, a social place to go. That you know, come over to my place. It's cool. We'll hang out. Have a good time. Yeah, watch some football. Have yep. some drinks. No problem. Yep, that works, dude. See, that's perfect. So, so Sundays, you know, Sundays yeah. NFL season coming up. Whoop, whoop. Oh man, we gotta have a podcast about fantasy football. At least uh, talk a little fantasy. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's dive in a little bit into you know what we look for when we go to get rental properties. All right, so that was on the one hand, shopping for rentals is kind of tough. There wasn't too many out there either, right? No, um, it, there was a lot of rental units out there. For me. One of the biggest things that I really had to look for was pet places that were not just pet friendly, but large dog friendly. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of places were like, yeah, yeah, dogs are welcome. Dogs are welcome. Up to 25 pounds, up to 35 pounds. Katie on a good day is, you know, 100 pounds. Yeah. So (laughs) she's got some weight on her. So yeah, she's a a hefty girl. Four times uh, that uh, that limit for the lease. Exactly. Exactly. So that was definitely one of the one of the difficult things about it. Uh, other than that, I mean, there was plenty to be rented, but you know, you, it's San Diego. Stuff's it's San expensive. Diego for sure. All right. Well, when we're looking at rental properties, I mean, we really start with, um, a market area, right? we look for a place that has, um, steady job growth. Um, we look for a place that doesn't have, uh, really like super high and super low appreciation, right? right. We don't want large flexibility we kind of want consistency right because sure. we're, when we're buying rentals we're buying these long term correct right we're not doing it for uh appreciation quick cash quick we're not cash. flipping these at right all. this is a long-term investment this is where our profits from our business go 
to secure our income. Right. So right. if business fails, you know, business fails. But we've used that money because people are always going to need a place to live. Right. So that's why we go to investing, building businesses and investing in real estate. It secures that income. It secures it. So we, we look for that kind of area and then we crunch some numbers and we're looking at what we call, well, what we stole from. I don't remember where we stole it from. Maybe it was uh, the Kiyosaki. Maybe it was Chief. I don't exactly remember where. You know, I don't know either, but it could be just a general, general rule. Yeah, a general rule of thumb for real estate investing. So we look for the 1% rule. Right. Right. So if we're if we going to buy a house for $100,000, then it needs to rent for at least $1,000. Correct. So we look for a place that has you know good job growth, it has a pretty consistent or inconsistent uh, appreciation doesn't appreciate or depreciate very much because we're going into a downward cycle market right now. Right. And so, you know, when you're looking at, at the rental properties that you have, um, you might see some depreciation. You might see a little bit of appreciation in a hot market, but it's not going to be very noticeable. Right. right? It's gonna- so I, I want to stop us really quick right here and just kind of mention that there are a lot of real estate professionals, uh, a lot of real estate investors who probably would disagree with us here yeah and would say no when you buy a rental property you should be uh investing in high appreciation areas so that you can pull that money out in the form of a loan and go buy more property right okay you know and and if we're going to drill down on that it really comes down to timing right because we know that there are big fluctuating appreciation markets and it's consistently swinging up and down like, you right. know, or, or pendulum swings, right? And so, for example, if, if deep, you look at, pendulum yeah, if swings. we're looking at uh, Florida, for example, or or San Diego even, or Vegas, right? The, the problem with buying, um, buying for appreciation is you're, if, it means you're banking on it, right? That's not to say that in a down market where we know that properties are undervalued, and we have the ability to buy a rental there. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that we're not going to take advantage of that, right. right? It just, it just, you know, you got to still take into consideration the one percent rule. So we let's st- go, let's go back even to you mentioned Vegas, the property that we ended up renting there. Right. We originally did invest banking on appreciation. Right. right. But we were able to secure enough rental income on that where we weren't losing money on a month-to-month basis. And we were right about the appreciation. It went up. A couple years later, we sold that property. Right. Now, but however, what if we didn't sell? What if we had, What if our initial strategy was to keep the rental long term and then all of a sudden with the foreclosure market happening as it was, now people can rent other things or get into certain situations where the rent starts to drop low, 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 and now we're stuck in a cash flow hurting situation. Right. So that's the downside of banking on the appreciation so it comes down to uh, i think what we're getting at here is it comes down to a uh, style or preference in investing where if you are investing in a market that is appreciating in at a high rate and you plan to pull some money out to purchase more investments then you are continuously leveraging right and that's okay and that's okay. You are continuously leveraging and building cash flow based on all of that leverage. But we prefer to have minimal debt. So we would rather buy assets in markets that were not banking on the appreciation, 
but we can bank on the consistent monthly cash flow. Right, right, and 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 that's the that's the major difference. Um, you know, when when you're talking about cash flow, you're talking about rent, and so when you're going to invest invest in a place, you're looking at consistent rent places, which means people who have been at a job or a company that's been there for a long time where the appreciation market is not going crazy because it makes rentals more consistent. However, you know, when the market turns and properties go down, we know appreciation is going to come back up at some point. So buying rentals in a down market is not necessarily a bad thing because if you can still match that 1% rule at the bottom of the market and then appreciation goes up, then you're definitely going to you're definitely going to bank on it. But the but the exit strategy going into it is different. Right. Right. And you have to understand that when you're going into it, what is your exit strategy? How are you getting out of this property every single time? Or are you? Or are you getting out of this property? All right. So um, 1% rule. 1% rule, first thing. And then uh, determine your demographic, what area you're going to get into. Is it going to be, are you banking on that appreciation or not? And if you are, are you investing for cash flow? Or are you investing for appreciation? Speaking of appreciation and uh, you know the steadiness of jobs, what do you think? And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. What do you think of um, investing in places such as Chula Vista coming up, where there's a possibility of that Amazon community happening, uh, or places where new factories get built. I think there's one that was built recently near our properties in Alabama. The Toyota factory. Uh, Reno has had something going Tesla. on with Tesla. Uh, so what do you think of I investing those in things. those? I love those things because I like those big, uh, those big secure companies, right? Mm-hmm. Those are, they're going to be in uh, in business as far as I can see. For longer than I'm going to be alive. Amazon's <laughs> not going anywhere, right? I don't right? think Amazon's going anywhere. Um, I mean, can they? Sure. I mean, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can, unless we start teleporting products, I mean, there's going to be a reason why, <laughs> you know, there's going to be some some change sometime in the future, I'm sure. But, um, but for right now, for the foreseeable future, those are core companies, right? right? I mean, we're still driving cars. That's why Toyota is great. We're still trying to use re- renewable energy sources, which is why Tesla is a leading marketer. Mm-hmm. And we buy everything pretty much from Amazon. So if you're buying, you know, if you're looking at trying to find a place to have a consistent rental at, that has um, a consistent tenant base that is employed, yes, you're going to want to be in those types of areas. That's exactly what you're looking for. You know, those are the types of places that you're looking for. But you also got to try to think of it as the as the the mentality of. At what phase in this area are they? Is is this company going to increase jobs at this point? Or is it going to increase jobs in five years, 10 years? When is mm-hmm. this thing happening? Or are they already capped out and you're coming in at a hotter end of the market? So, you know, you, you still got to come back to the 1% rule. What's so going know on in where the market you are. Okay. right now, right? Perfect. So, okay. So now we've decided to uh, what area we're going to buy in. We've crunched some numbers and we've gotten down to, okay, we can hit the 1% rule. This place looks like a good place. So now you start actually evaluating some properties, right? So you start looking at a bunch of different properties and you you decide, oh, I think I like this one. I'm going to put an offer in. Do you have to go see it? Big question, right? The, the, the thing with having to go see it is it's a personal thing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, how comfortable are you in letting your money go? We have five properties. Four of which I've never seen. Four of which you've never seen. Four of, Four which, of which I've never seen. Yeah. 
The only one that I ever saw was the one in Maryland. Because you lived in it for a while. Because I lived in it for a little while while other I was in the that, Navy. Other than I've never seen the other ones. So they could magically not exist, but I mean, I, obviously they do. <laughs> so what? So what do you do? You know, I mean, and again, that's a comfort thing. Some people are okay with understanding the numbers and letting the money work, and some people have to physically see it. I mean, we talked about this the other day with uh, when we were talking direct deposit, and I told you my father-in-law goes to the bank, cashes his check, right? Gets the money from the teller, pretty much like sniffs it or holds it or rubs it, I don't know, and then counts back his mortgage to the teller and gives the money back, <laughs> right? That's a that's something that's internal, right? You have to have it, you have to hold it, you have to see it, you know. Seriously, he takes the whole amount and then counts it back for the mortgage and the other yeah, bills. Well, I mean, the whole amount's not the mortgage. I mean, you know, it's not his entire paycheck, but he puts back the mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, you know, hey, whatever, hey, to each his own. To each but, his own. But. For the most part, I mean, I'm, I, you know, we're talking here about investing out of state, right? Right. And so to make a flight out there, decide what property it's going to be. I mean, the escrow process could take, you know, 45, 60 days. Mm-hmm. So do you have that kind of time to be out there is one of the questions, right? And if you don't, I mean, if, if you're okay, like we have gone, we've bought sight unseen and, uh, but it's not that you don't do anything about it. You don't just buy based on the picture that you see on the on you know on the listing you still have to do some some due diligence yeah your due diligence so this is where it comes down to inspections right Mm -hmm. and now if you're physically there it's it's you can probably get away with a physical inspection even though i think just a physical inspection is not a good thing because we were initially going to buy four properties in alabama right right one of them we ended up not buying because of the one of the inspections we did which was a foundational inspection Mm-hmm. So we, we know, and, and Alabama's known for having shifts in the dirt and they, you know, there's a lot of things going on. So things settle and, you know, stuff happens. But uh, when you're going to purchase, I mean, that's something you want to look into ahead of time. So you do a property inspection. This is somebody that goes in and they do a basic overview inspection. You know, they look at your, they take pictures of the inside. They take pictures, make sure there's no mold or there any, you know, dry rot on anything exposed. But it's not super, super in, de- in depth. Right. It's a basic inspection. Now they do go, you know, they look for moisture spots, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that you can find in a, in a regular physical inspection. But if you're going to invest in something out of state that's not there, I suggest you do a couple other inspections. I suggest you get the foundation inspected. Right. Because you got to make sure. Idea. I mean, that's one of the major expenses that you could have in a property if you don't. Foundation issues are expensive. Expensive because you either have to lift the house. You have to break up the 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 concrete on, on the bottom, replace it, ro- um, you know, rebar. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Rebar. I mean, everything. I mean, it could it could be very, very expensive. So get a, f- a foundation inspection. The other thing is plumbing. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't always know what's going on. So I suggest, you know, not just a regular plumber to come out and take a look and say, OK, everything's good. Get a camera inspection. I mean, they literally will stick a, a camera through your cleanouts and go through all the pipes and find any sort of little little crack or something going on. And you have a video evidence that you can come back to your you know, seller and be like, look, this is what's going on here. You know, and sometimes it's going to take this much amount of money. Let's knock that off the price. Right. And, you know, and that's at that point you can decide, well, I'm going to walk away or let's negotiate here. Right. Right. But this is a, a, you know, visual camera evidence that nobody can can deny. Right. And you'll know whether you got roots in some pipes or you got, you know, clogged drains or whatever it is, or your old cast iron starting to crack, you know, all that stuff. You know, that you can figure out with a camera plumbing inspection and they'll run you anywhere from, you know, 
two hundred bucks or a hundred bucks to like four hundred bucks, depending on the size of the house. That's actually what I was gonna ask. So, so yeah, and 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 plumbing is one of those major things that you don't really see, but you absolutely need. Yeah, it's it's like buying an an extra insurance policy on this investment that you're making, right? Because right? if you are being cheap and you don't want to spend the two hundred bucks for a plumbing inspection. That could turn around and bite you and cost you, you know, 10 grand if it's something like you said, like roots growing into those supply lines. Right. I mean, those and those are major things. Right? Yeah. And, and, and the fact that you spend 200 bucks and you find a problem, maybe you walk away from that deal and you realize it only cost you 200 bucks to save yourself thousands. Right. You know, so uh, so plumbing inspection, same thing with the electrical inspection. There's so many houses built in the 40s, 50s or earlier than that. Oh, yeah. That have, you know, old, Especially old wiring. Right. Especially the Audis. Old wiring. Or, you know, you got rodents that have been in there, chewed up some stuff. Could be a big fire hazard. So you want to make mm-hmm. sure you get those things inspected. What does uh, the electrical inspection entail? I mean, we had camera inspection on plumbing. What mm-hmm. about electrical? So they'll go in through your attic. They'll check your uh, electrical box. They'll check the the outlets just to make sure you don't have, you know, what kind of wiring that you have built in and mm-hmm. they'll tell you whether you know at, at the very least you'll know what's going on whether or not you want to do the upgrade that's going to be on you but no understand <laughs> understand what you are buying before you buy it so you want to make sure that all of the internal systems are in good shape absolutely absolutely before you jump into this investment and then of course get a roof inspection right i oh, mean yeah in in uh when we bought the property in texas the duplex in texas I mean, I didn't know that hail was a big issue in that area, you know, <laughs> but hail. What, you don't remember driving through there uh, on your way to pick up the... It wasn't hailing then, but I mean, there's... Wasn't it? No, no, it was hailing in Tennessee. Oh, it was hailing in Tennessee. Yeah, oh, we were okay. in Tennessee. Wrong, wrong T-State. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was bad there, but I mean, but in Texas, I didn't know hail was an issue, and so if you have constant hailstorms, I mean, that's going to put a damper on your on your roof and you know maybe your roof has been replaced in the last five years that's not too bad but maybe it needs to be replaced because your roof is 30 years old already and the shingles are half falling off right 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 and it's on the side that you can't see from the front you know so, so uh being in the insurance industry that's actually one of the requirements for a lot of our companies is that the roof be replaced uh within the last 25 years if it's more than 25 years old, it's often ineligible for uh, preferred policies, preferred carriers. So, yeah, so we're looking at all these different inspections. And let's say, you know, you go through the inspections and you maybe you spend an extra six, seven, eight hundred dollars or a thousand dollars in inspections. But at least now you have the peace of mind, especially if you didn't go out there and physically look at the property. You've had a number of professionals go and critique it like with a fine comb. Right. You know, and you know exactly what you're buying. And if at that point you want to walk away. Specialists specialists in each of their areas. areas, Right. And if at that point you want to walk away, you can. Right. But if not, at least you know what you're getting into. You have some ammo to go and renegotiate and you're good to go. So let's assume that your inspections went pretty well and you are buying the property. Right. Now you have to manage it and put tenants in there. So there are a couple options when you do that. You can self-manage. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the strategies I've seen when you self-manage is um, is you have uh, you buy like an American Home Shield, a home warranty system. Right. And you renew it every year. And it's going to run you anywhere between like three fifty to five hundred dollars a year for this warranty. But now if something goes wrong in the in the property, you uh, you have the tenant, you know, you contact the warranty company. They'll send out, uh, you know, somebody to assess the situation based on what's going on plumber electrician whatever Mm -hmm. and then from there 
um, you the if it's the tenant's fault, maybe they pay the deductible. If it's if it's something that's just normal wear and tear, then we pay the deductible. Right. right? And so that's one way to self manage. The other way is to actually use a property management company, which is our favorite thing to do. Definitely. Right. They charge maybe like a anywhere between seven to twelve percent per uh, of the rent collected. Mm-hmm. Right. And they usually charge you the first month's rent as their commission, but but they handle the day to day calls. They collect the rent. They handle the tenant complaints. They handle the eviction. They handle the placement. They ha- they all the headaches are maintenance. Gone. Everything. I'm not going to say all the headaches are gone. They're not necessarily gone, but somebody They're else is handling them. Right. We don't take we don't necessarily field the phone calls, but we will get the occasional email saying, "Hey, your tenant has an issue with this, that, and the other. The light bulb in the kitchen is out or the light fixture in the kitchen isn't or working or whatever." You got a leak here. You got a leak there. Yeah. There's mice here, whatever. So yep. it's not that the it's not that the maintenance goes away. You're not dealing with a tenant, right? right? Your phone's not ringing at three in the morning. Correct. So all you're doing is basically writing the check, which still <laughs> sucks, right? Yeah, but that's that's the stressful part. That is kind of the stressful part. But, you know, they put tenants in there. One of the options for tenants is a Section 8 tenant, right? right. And we've had both good and bad experiences with Section 8. And I we read have. an article the other day that they had here in San Diego, and it looks like the city passed an ordinance to prevent discriminating against Section 8 tenants. So in the past, you can say, you know, I have this, this place for rent. Uh, Section eight tenants need not apply. So no Section eight. You can you can actually say that I do not want Section eight tenants in my unit. You used to be able to say in the city of San Diego, but they recently passed an ordinance saying you can't do that anymore. Really, you cannot discriminate against Section eight. So you you it, you still have a choice of who you're going to rent to. You just can't be discriminate for that reason. In other words, the the where they get their income is not something that you can discriminate against. But that's an ordinance here in San Diego. It's not an ordinance everywhere. Yeah, that's not a nationwide law or anything. It's just no, in San Diego. No, it's just Diego. one that I saw and I thought was pretty interesting. That is that's very interesting. I mean, it's what it brings to mind is the fact that some areas, probably more specifically states, some states are more friendly to landlords versus being more friendly to tenants. Right. So San Diego obviously is being a little Cal- more friendly. It's California. California, California. is very tenant friendly. Yep. Right. And so you know we've had we've had good experiences with Section Eight here in San Diego too. One of the, the flip we did, I had a Section Eight tenant in for a year for the condo. They were great. Yeah, they were great. Um, we've had Section Eight tenants in Alabama, and yep. they were great. Now. The housing authority wasn't so great in one of them. We had a bad experience, you know, collecting rent from the housing authority, not from the tenant themselves, which is surprising, right? And that was a rarity. Um, We've had uh, Section 8 tenants in Maryland. Yes. Also good. And we've had Section 8 tenants in Texas. We've had one bad Section 8 tenant in Texas. That one pretty much destroyed the property and then claimed that they were going to fix it up. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what to, we had to get them out really fast. And yeah. Texas is a very landlord friendly state, so we so were able to get them out pretty quick, very quickly. Um, and the and, you know the good thing is you know everything happens for a reason. We when we were we had every time we had a tenant switch out, we repaired a bunch of new stuff in there because when we bought the place, it was pretty much a dump. Right, right. And we're you not know? trying to be slumlords. No, we're not trying to be slumlords. So we fixed stuff up. So they destroyed some stuff. We had to file an insurance claim, but we came back and fixed a lot of the stuff that was already messed up. So the next tenant they came in was nice. It was yeah. a nicer place, a much yeah. nicer place than when they found it. So, you know, there's there's a bunch of ways to get tenants in there. Um, I, I'm still a big proponent of the uh, property management, right? 
And uh, but on the other hand, I mean, you could self-manage, right? But then you'd be in charge of doing all the marketing and leasing contracts and collecting rent and all that stuff. And if right. it's in another state, that could be very cumbersome, very stressful. Yeah, and if you are somebody who has a full-time stressful job and you're using real estate to secure your income and you don't want to be dealing with that other stuff after you've already had a long day at work and et cetera and so on, then maybe the best thing will be for you to go ahead and get a property manager. Which comes down to like how do you buy these properties, right? So, I mean, there's always the the two options. We can use, we can pay all cash for a property or we can use financing, right? Right. We can, we can, you know, and did you know that you can have up to 10 finance properties uh, per Fannie, per Fannie and Freddie. So two loans or 10 loans. I'm sorry. 10 loans through Fannie Mac, Freddie Mac. Right. So I can take out 10 different mortgages. The first one I might be able to get down at about five, 10%, maybe the first two, but by the third one, you're up at about 20% down payment. That's required. Oh, okay. To down payment, pro- down payment to finance these properties. I thought you were talking interest rate. I was like, that's a big jump from five to 10%. <laughs> no, no, no. Down payment, down payment, down payment. Okay. So we're able to, you know, so you're able to finance these properties. So you can have essentially 10 mortgages. Now, if you're married, you can have 10 mortgages. Your spouse can have 10 mortgages. So you can have a lot of different leveraged properties that way. But, uh, but the problem with the more with having the finances, now you start looking at things like property management and every bit of money hurts. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're now you're trying to choose a property management because of the seven or eight percent versus the 12 percent instead of looking at what they have to offer. Right. Right. And so the other option, of course, is cash. Right. But once you pay cash for a property, the mortgage thing goes away. So you can give up a little bit more on the property management for a better quality service. Right. You know, and, and things like where they guarantee putting you a tenant in a month or they do monthly inspections on the property instead of quarterly. Right. So there's a lot of extra things that a property management can do that when you pay cash for a property, you benefit from. And then, of course, vacancies. Right. When the property is vacant and you've paid cash, it sucks because you don't get a check. Right. But if, if it's vacant, vacant and you have a mortgage on it. It sucks because that payment is going to get paid whether you have you st- a tenant or not. You still have to make the payment yep. for that uh, mortgage. So, I mean, I hope, you know, this information was a little helpful for you guys. I hope, as always, we've brought more value to the table than you've given up on time, Mr. Rebel Broker, right? And, uh, you know, if you guys ever have any questions about any investments you want to get into, you know, you know, you can find us at our, on our Facebook page at CS First, or you can go to our website, www.csfirst.com, which is now live, by the way. Whoop, whoop. So, uh, you know, check it out there. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Trades on the Road. Other than that, peace. Bye bye. And I'm out.